Welcome back to another episode of Wrestling with Theology. I am Pastor Doug Minton, here with you for episode 72. We're looking at common ground with our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters. As we dig deeper into the section on the liturgy and the sacraments, we look today at the Paschal mystery in the liturgy and then the diversity of the liturgy, even in the Roman Catholic Church. So we begin with the in brief section in paragraphs 1131 through 1134, speaking of the sacraments. The sacraments are efficacious signs of grace instituted by Christ and entrusted to the church by which divine life is dispensed to us. The visible rites by which the sacraments are celebrated signify and make present the graces proper to each sacrament. They bear fruit in those who receive them with the required dispositions. The church celebrates the sacraments as a priestly community structured by the baptismal priesthood and the priesthood of ordained ministers. The Holy Spirit prepares the faithful for the sacraments by the word of God and the faith which welcomes that word in well-disposed hearts. Thus the sacraments strengthen faith and express it. The fruit of sacramental life is both personal and ecclesial. For every one of the faithful on the one hand, this fruit is life for God in Christ Jesus. For the church on the other, it is an increase in charity and in her witness of mission. Lutherans differ from Roman Catholics and the Eastern Orthodox in the number of sacraments. The difference in numbers comes from the difference in definition. Lutherans understand sacraments in the same way St. Augustine did. When God's word comes to the element, then there is a sacrament. By this definition, there are three sacraments, baptism, the Lord's Supper, and confession absolution. All three of these have visible elements that convey God's word of forgiveness. Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox count seven sacraments. Their definition boils down to the services the church does for the people. These seven are baptism, confirmation, the Lord's Supper, penance, anointing of the sick, holy orders, and marriage. While all of these services and rites have their basis in the New Testament scriptures, they don't all come with the promise of the forgiveness of sins, which is what the sacrament is supposed to do. We move on into paragraphs 1187 through 1199 as we talk more about the liturgy. The liturgy is the work of the whole Christ, head and body. Our high priest celebrates it unceasingly in the heavenly liturgy with the Holy Mother of God, the apostles, all the saints, and the multitude of those who have already entered the kingdom. In a liturgical celebration, the whole assembly is liturgos, each member according to his own function. The baptismal priesthood is that of the whole body of Christ, but some of the faithful are ordained through the sacrament of holy orders to represent Christ as head of the body. The liturgical celebration involves signs and symbols relating to creation, candles, water, fire, human life, washing, anointing, breaking bread, and the history of salvation, the rites of the Passover. Integrated into the world of faith and taken up by the power of the Holy Spirit, these cosmic elements, human rituals, and gestures of remembrance of God become bearers of the saving and sanctifying action of Christ. The liturgy of the word is an integral part of the celebration. The meaning of the celebration is expressed by the word of God, which is proclaimed, and by the response of faith to it. Song and music are closely connected with the liturgical action. The criteria for their proper use are the beauty expressive of prayer, the unanimous participation of the assembly, and the sacred character of the celebration. Sacred images in our churches and homes are intended to awaken and nourish our faith in the mystery of Christ. Through the icon of Christ and his works of salvation, it is he who we adore. 
Through sacred images of the Holy Mother of God, of the angels, and of the saints, we venerate the persons represented. Sunday, the Lord's Day, is the principal day for the celebration of the Eucharist because it is the day of the resurrection. It is the preeminent day of the liturgical assembly, the day of the Christian family, and the day of joy and rest from work. Sunday is the foundation and kernel of the whole liturgical year. The Church, in the course of the year, unfolds the whole mystery of Christ from His incarnation and nativity through His ascension to Pentecost and the expectation of the blessed hope of the coming of the Lord. By keeping the memorial of the saints, first of all the Holy Mother of God, then the apostles, the martyrs, and other saints, on fixed days of the liturgical year, the Church on earth shows that she is united with the liturgy of heaven. She gives glory to Christ for having accomplished his salvation and his glorified members. Their example encourages her on her way to the Father. The faithful who celebrate the liturgy of the hours are united to Christ our High Priest by the prayer of the Psalms, meditation on the Word of God, and canticles and blessings, in order to be joined with his unceasing and universal prayer that gives glory to the Father and implores the gift of the Holy Spirit on the whole world. Christ is the true temple of God, the place where his glory dwells. By the grace of God, Christians also become temples of the Holy Spirit, living stones out of which the church is built. In its earthly state, the church needs places where the community can gather together. Our visible churches, holy places, are images of the holy city, the heavenly Jerusalem, toward which we are making our own way on pilgrimage. It is in these churches that the church celebrates public worship to the glory of the Holy Trinity, hears the word of God and sings his praise, lifts up her prayer, and offers the sacrifice of Christ sacramentally present in the midst of the assembly. These churches are also places of recollection and personal prayer. Why do we have the liturgy? It is the work of the church along with her head Christ in the proclamation of law and gospel to believer and unbeliever alike. The liturgy is based in God's Word. Liturgical services are not private functions, but are celebrations of the church, which is the sacrament of unity, namely the holy people united and organized under the authority of the bishops, as stated in Sacrosanctum Concilium from 1963. The liturgy is not to be done in a private manner. Even this Vatican II document shows that private masses, those where only the priest is present, are not to be done in the church. God led the church to design the liturgy in such a way that prayer and praise, preaching and teaching might be brought to the Christian in the pew. All of this is done through signs and symbols. Everything in the sanctuary should have some significance to God's word or the church's doctrine. The liturgy rises from Old Testament tabernacle and temple worship. God commanded certain signs and symbols to be used in the worship of his Old Testament saints. The apostles and all the generations following them have used the same symbols and signs in worship. New ones are brought in to help clarify something that has troubled the congregation, but they are to always have significance to the church as a whole and to the individual Christian. The church's liturgical cycle shows the necessity of continuing to review the great truths of the gospel, especially as we look at the life of Christ in the history of the church. Holy Mother Church believes that she should celebrate the saving work of her divine spouse in a sacred commemoration on certain days throughout the course of the year. Once each week, on the day which she calls the Lord's Day, she keeps the memory of the Lord's resurrection. She also celebrates it once every year, together with his blessed passion at Easter, that most solemn of all feasts. In the course of the year, moreover, she unfolds the whole mystery of Christ. 
Thus, recalling the mysteries of the redemption, she opens up to the faithful the riches of her Lord's powers and merits, so that these are in some way made present in every age. The faithful lay hold of them and are filled with saving grace. Again, from Sacrosanctum Concilium in 1963. The idea of a liturgical year goes all the way back to Leviticus 23 where God lists his commandments for the weekly Sabbath, as well as the three required feasts each year, Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. As the church lifted the liturgy from the synagogue, she has continued to set aside feasts, festivals, commemorations, and seasons for proclamation, reflection, confession, and rejoicing. These feasts celebrate the events of Jesus' life. The festivals commemorate the lives of the saints, especially those from the New Testament. The commemorations give us a moment to reflect on God's gifts to his people through the Old Testament saints, as well as the saints throughout church history. The seasons keep us in mind of what the liturgy and the liturgical year are all about, Jesus' death on Good Friday and his resurrection on Easter. But the liturgy can take many forms. It doesn't have to be just the divine service or the Mass. There are moments to pray and praise throughout the day. The church has developed the liturgy of the hours to encapsulate those times. The Roman Catholic Church has seven canonical hours for the opportunity for the Christian to be united to Christ our High Priest by the prayer of the Psalms, meditation on the Word of God, and canticles and blessings, found in paragraph 1196. Through these services that do not focus on the sacrament, further devotion and study of God's Word is available for the congregation. As was stated earlier, the liturgy is designed to strengthen the Christian's devotional life and faith. The more often you are in worship, the greater potential you have for your faith. Now we look at the diversity of the liturgy, paragraphs 1207 to 1209. It is fitting that liturgical celebration tends to express itself in the culture of the people where the church finds herself, though without being submissive to it. Moreover, the liturgy itself generates cultures and shapes them. The diverse liturgical traditions or rites legitimately recognized manifest the Catholicity of the Church because they signify and communicate the same mystery of Christ. The criterion that assures unity amid the diversity of liturgical traditions is fidelity to apostolic tradition, i.e. the communion in the faith and the sacraments received from the apostles, a communion that is both signified and guaranteed by apostolic succession. When we think of liturgical diversity, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't usually come to mind. It seems to outsiders that the Mass is always the same everywhere. After all, many faithful Catholics are able to do their responses in the Mass from memory. Isn't this proof that the liturgy of the Mass has never changed? Absolutely not. Whether you can say the responses or sing the canticles of the liturgy from memory or not, this isn't a sign that the liturgy has never undergone changes, nor does it mean that it isn't still undergoing changes. While much of the liturgy is same from week to week, it has undergone changes through the centuries. The liturgy differs based on the culture in which it is prayed. The liturgy prayed in America is different from that prayed in Rome or in Canada or in Africa. While the church is one, the liturgy manifests itself in many ways depending on where on the globe it is prayed. There are portions of the liturgy that must remain the same. The reading of the scriptures, the prayers, the words of institution, the benediction. Outside of these basic elements, the liturgy can vary from one week to another. In the Roman Catholic Church, as it is seen in the weekly missal, there are nine different variations of the Eucharistic prayer. There are only four variations of the Eucharistic prayer in the St. Joseph weekday missal. 
You can also look at the Lutheran Service Book and see five different divine service settings. The orders of matins and vespers, the offices of morning and evening prayer, the service of prayer and preaching, as well as other services that may be used for worship and devotion. While some portions are changeable and even comfortably removed from the service, the liturgy itself seeks to promote the unity of our faith in Christ. And that is where we firmly agree between Lutherans, Catholics, Eastern Orthodox, Anglicans, all of them. We seek the unity of faith in the heart of the Christian. That is the point of the liturgy. Not to be some rote memorization that we just go through week after week after week until we get sick of it. But it is the proclamation of the gospel, the strengthening of faith for you and for me as we are there in the pew, in the pulpit, wherever we are, hearing the Word of God. Because it is in that hearing of the Word of God that we are strengthened and better equipped to wrestle with the theology that is around us every day.